Welcome to another episode of Locked On Women's Basketball. I am your host, Ben Dahl. For this Thursday episode, just doing a quick solo look back on one of Wednesday's games. The Fever dropped one in Atlanta as the Dream finally snapped that losing streak. They get a win under their belts at home, and they're now at 2-5. and five. Indiana at 4-5. and five. And just off the bat, like one thing just to remember on top of it just being early in general is that five teams now have played nine games already and Atlanta's played a couple a couple less than that they're at, so now they're at seven so if they just like won their next two games you know like like yeah it 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 was bad that they started one and five but if they win their next two or two out of three whatever like they're right there in the mix again and you know kind of this we have this crowd at the middle with Connecticut out to the hot start so it and I think, and as I'll get to, like I think, especially as it got late here, we kind of saw the floodgates open, in a sense, especially offensively, where they just finally seemed to get a little comfortable. And the big part of that was it looks like Tiffany Hayes is back. She had that ankle thing that she was playing through early in the season, and it's kind of tough to pinpoint. But just the, you know, in a sense, like her level of aggression, and just especially as a player who's just so reliant on on one. Her first step, her explosiveness off the dribble, and then to just like go into the lane and like make really tough plays in tight in tight windows. Like obviously that's that's even more of a premium for a player like her. She went for twenty eight points in this game, seventeen in the first half, and that alone, she was already at her season high. So just you know, the scoring output alone, it, it was clear to some degree that that especially off the bat that that ankle was just bothering her a little bit. And she, she shoots 9 of 15, and a big part of that was going 4 of 6 from 3. Obviously not a given every game with Tiffany Hayes, but just the fact that she's taking the open ones and, and has some confidence out there, that obviously makes a big difference. You know, she had been, she hit, hit uh, 37% in 2017 and then 32 last year on pretty similar volume. But, you know, if you're just, if you're like at the mid-30s and just like taking the open ones, that, that makes a big difference for her. Got to the free throw line eight times, just one turnover, and Atlanta just six turnovers as a team. Obviously, playing a cleaner game helps them out a lot. And it was funny because they, the the way they started the game, you wouldn't have thought that it was headed that way at all. Uh, Indiana got out to a six zero lead that included two runouts, so it it had the look very early of just another game that was gonna that was gonna maybe spiral out of control or just or just really not go Atlanta's way, but they end up rebounding, and Renee Montgomery also had a season high with 16 points, knocked down four threes, and kind of in that 8-9 attempt range is where they need her on threes. They really need, you know, Atlanta's one of these top-heavy shooting teams, and a lot of that pressure's on Renee to to get up a bunch of shots for them, and, and also just to get a little more involved in pick and roll, too, just to kind of look for her own a little bit more. You know, in the second quarter, like with, I think it was Erica Wheeler on her and just was kind of pressuring her way above the three-point line. Like anytime that happens, that 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 kind of just like needs to become a pick and roll or some kind of give and go to just trying to get her going towards the basket. And they got her a high ball screen and she just strolled right into the lane and laid it in. And then speaking to those kind of higher degree of difficulty threes, we saw one of those two where... She's on the left side of the floor, and Elizabeth Williams comes up to set the screen, and then Williams f- flips it right away. 
kind of as Wheeler started to get over the screen, and then Renee just quick behind the back, and then launches that three in, and those are really tough shots for pretty much anybody in the league, but those are the shots that were such a big key to their success, and Renee made them last year, and she shot a lot of them, and she shot them with confidence, and, and they need her to kind of hunt those looks, and, and on a team level, they need to maybe do a little bit better of of, of helping her get those, and, and, and that play by Williams to, to flip that screen to kind of help open up that window is, is a really important thing that they can do. Alex Bentley was gone. She's now off to Eurobasket, so, and we'll get to that later, and the player that that they signed in Natisha Heideman. But Marie Gulich didn't play in this one, so Nikki Collin rolled with eight, which included Maite Cazorla, the, the rookie guard out of Oregon that's likely to uh, step into at least some of those minutes for Bentley. Tierra McCown, the number three pick in this year's draft, did get the start in place of Natalia Shanwa, who was listed with a calf injury, and it looked like on the bench she was wearing some kind of boot there. Hopefully that's... Uh, Something that won't keep Ochama out too long. Another player that's that's really start, has really taken some nice strides recently. And Brittany Sykes for Atlanta also got off to a, a nice start, coming off the bench still with Nia Coffey starting on the wing. But for a change, for a nice change of change, I don't want to say change of pace. For a nice change in transition attacking, like she actually slowed down for once, which helped her find her path to the lane for an easy layup. And then she ended the first quarter nicely for them with a nice hard hard right-handed drive, stop and toss in a little floater softly off the glass. But as mentioned with Achanwa out, Indiana's frontline depth takes a hit. And we we see how limited the dream are with their offense with their offense, with their bigs, especially when you know Tier McCallan got in foul trouble early and it's Candace Dupree and Stephanie Mavunga out there at you know six one and six two, respectively, and with that with that tandem playing together for a long time, you really see that just not having a post threat and just not being able to hammer a team that kind of has to go small for for a little bit. It just it's just a, another indicator of just how how tough it can be for Atlanta sometimes to muster up some offense. I mean, Dupree and Mavungo playing together for a long time, that might that might be the smallest 4-5 combo we're going to see in the entire league all season long. But in the third quarter, Atlanta really got going a little bit. They took a one-point lead into the break, but Elizabeth Williams got a couple buckets inside, which they always, you know, they always need from her. There's so much pressure on her to give them something around the basket cuz she isn't you know, maybe she, maybe the jumper is something she's still working on the side, but that isn't there. So getting something from her is is just vital for them. And they really started putting two people on the ball, and and they can you can send an extra body over to kind of get into the play too to take away those those immediate passes because there just isn't really a consequence against th- these Indiana lineups. You know, it's it's Bet Nigelani, it's it's. Tiffany Mitchell, Kennedy Burke, you know, those players you aren't terrified of leaving them open if if the team can even get a skip out to them. And when you put two on the ball and you really get up into them, you know, that pass isn't even really possible for most players. But to just, just look at McCowan in this game, there's a lot of interesting stuff with her. She ends up playing 23 minutes, 4 or 9 from the field, 6 of 9 at the free throw line. Of her 15 rebounds, 9 of them were offensive rebounds. And she blocked five shots. 
as mentioned, she picked up those two fouls in the first, and she left the game with about five minutes left in the first quarter and didn't return for like almost 13 full minutes of game action. She, she finished the half. But then the second half was good because we saw her just play some longer stretches and, and, not, and just on the very basic level of, of playing long stretches, that's just important to see her doing that. And, and this was a clean game, you know, not a lot of turnovers, so a lot of it was kind of, you were able to play in the half court, but she did play almost seven straight minutes in the third quarter, and then she played the entire fourth. So that's good to see for Indiana, especially obviously in a game without a Chanwa and that you're able to at least stick around and, and battle pretty well all the way to the end to have a chance to win. Pokey Chapman did, I think, have some nice wrinkles to kind of help McCowan to help get her set up and to kind of get her in, in good positions to score. They tried a, a snug action with Candace Dupree in the first half where she, you know, Dupree is just, you know, catching it with her back to the basket and then you have McCowan set a screen so you're basically just running a pick and roll just really close to the basket and and kind of shortening the distance that McCowan has to roll is one way to kind of help her you know obviously like covering a bunch of ground you know she's not the Natasha Howard kind of player who can just sprint to the rim in an instant and catch on the move and do all these tough things so that's one good thing to do because obviously Dupree can be a big scoring threat out of that too and if you and you know the defense has to communicate you know, really quickly, are we switching? What do we do? And then even if, as we saw in this game, like even like Jessica Breland switched on to McCowan is a huge difference, even from Elizabeth Williams, who herself is like pretty physically overmatched against McCowan, you know, with Williams at like 6'3", 6'4". But then like Breland, who's 6'1", and really thin, you know, that you really saw, you can really see a matchup like that where Indiana can, is, is kind of starting the building blocks to, to, to it, hopefully draw like a switch like that and then eventually become really good at attacking it with McCowan. And in the second half, we saw some more good stuff too. They started the third quarter with a triple screen at the top of the key for Erica Wheeler. But what that did was Wheeler just used it and then she dribbled inside the arc to the wing. And what they were setting up was another pick and roll just really, really close to the basket, McCowan transition from that to screen for Wheeler inside the arc. So again, the goal there is just to maybe you force a switch, but just shorten the distance that McCowan has to roll. And she's such a big target that you can just hopefully just get a quick pass to her up high and then she can just finish right away. And you can see that throughout the second half that, that both Wheeler and Kelsey Mitchell were, were really trying to make an effort to kind of help to kind of connect with McCowan to get those side pick and rolls a little bit lower on the floor to try to get her going and find her on a lob with that short roll to the rim. But again, the, as mentioned with Atlanta kind of putting two on the ball, the problem with this Indiana team, obviously without Victoria Vivians with the ACL tear, one of their biggest shooting threats is they just, it, the, you know, teams can leave, can ignore Laney pretty regular, regularly, who's been starting at the three for them. And then you can do the same for Burke and Tiffany Mitchell off the bench. And even Erica Wheeler passed up a few good looks from three, which was discouraging just because she needs to be taking them. And she had started the season so well scoring the ball that just to see her pass those up, that that's not a good sign, especially coming off that, that good start. And it was ironic that uh, Wheeler didn't give 
she didn't give it to McCowan at one point where they, it looked, I think they set her across screen. I don't know if it may have just been a straight post up in, in the third quarter. She had a really good position and Wheeler didn't want to give it to her for whatever reason. Wanted her to come set up, set a screen and then Atlanta blitzed her and turned it over instead of just giving McCowan that touch when she had a foot in the lane posting up. But with McCowan, it's, it's more of the same with the finishing. You know, in the first half, she missed a put back right, standing right under the rim, uncontested, just missing a layup on the right block with a right hand just missed a quick turn to score for out of the post over Williams again who's physically overmatched and, and unless she gets a chance to load up and really jump as high as she can she just can't even get into McCowan's airspace to challenge it all Williams stuffed her on the left side of the floor where again just McCowan not having a left hand like if she just ha- if she just shoots some of these with her left hand when she's on the left side it's just it's it's basically an uncontested shot. Like nobody's going to get around her body to bother it. And it happened a second time where she's kind of like contorting her body and trying to like take these weird angles to kind of like draw a foul and then wrap it around the arm of somebody with a right hand when you can just, you just need to be shooting lefty layups at this point, you know, four years coming out of college. Like that's, that was one of the concerns and that, that has to get better. And it already should be by now again having four years in college to not already be at that point is one of the is one of the one of the concerns and definitely something that opponents will be able to play into when they get her on the left side of the floor versus the right and i I didn't love what mccown was starting to get away with at the end of this game trying to trying to get on the glass you know at one point like her and williams are just body to body like jostling for position as the shot goes up and McCowan just fell on top of her, and the refs gave her a, a call, and they ended up back to back. But and and what the, I'm sure the officials assumed happened was it was one of those plays where the the defender trying to box out, you know, just kind of like is kind of just like keeps pushing with their legs and kind of undercuts somebody. But McCowan just straight up fell, and that's a really dangerous play that can't get rewarded anytime. And um, Atlanta's bench was they saw that all the way through and they were clear to state their case on that and later McCowan just like got away with just throwing Williams to the ground and maybe there's a little bit of acting there but it was the same kind of thing like you know there like, like there's the flip side of it too where like the bigger players also just like the bigger centers like can't just get away with everything and that was a play where it's just like Williams has her body on her she isn't like undercutting her and like trying to make her fall or anything like that, and to just get away with throwing her to the ground, and she may have even hit her pretty hard with it with an elbow too as she did that. But you know, to get away with stuff like that, that's not enjoyable to see that happen. And, and the five blocks, those those were are great, and those are important plays for her. And and that's kind of her baseline because those were plays where she was kind of kind of already set up, and she, like her feet were already there. Where, where that kind of confrontation happened and, and when, when that happens like that's when McCown's going to be really good and obviously the other times are the bigger challenge you know one we saw the example of just like familiarizing herself with the league like Elizabeth Williams caught the ball 17 feet out and McCowan's kind of like starting to like run at her and you, that's a player you have to know you don't run to and, and Williams just went right by her with a hard dribble to a left handed layup and then Williams caught her sleeping off the ball with just like a little banana cut just like along the lines of the restricted area just caught her just watching the ball and just went right in front of her face 
to catch for an easy layup. Kelsey Mitchell in this game ended up playing 30 minutes, 6-17, but 4 of 11 from 3, which you like to see, didn't get to the line at all. But the threes she hit, one of them off the bounce, Atlanta was confused. They gave her too clean of a window. Uh, she pulled one over Elizabeth Williams. Kind of, you know, it was, I don't know if it, it was either a switch or just a show and just canned it right over the top of her. Uh, out of triple threat, she just hit one right in Tiffany Hayes' face. And then in the second half, she kind of probed inside the arc and just pulled back behind the line and just hit it right over Williams. And that that's another one of the shots that's just really scary. That's just like, like there, are, there aren't five players in the league right now that are even daring to take those kind of shots. And, and Kelsey can get into those so quickly. But 11 attempts, like that's right where you want to be. And I think if Williams is going to have like an inefficient shooting, like high volume shooting night, you'd probably, I'd, I think you'd definitely rather see her struggling on the twos. Like the fact that the three is falling, especially when she's taking these tougher ones like that, that needs to be the foundation for her. And, and four for 11, you're going to take that. And part of the struggles from two, she did miss three looks right around the rim in the fourth quarter which were also just important because they were just trying to trying to stick in the game with Atlanta, who kind of got going in the fourth. And those are the shots that have to go in, and I, I've mentioned those before with Kelsey Mitchell, that the finishing also has to be there too for her to become you know, a top-two scoring option for a really good WNBA team. And the nice thing with McCowan, though, introduced into this mix as a really good offensive rebounder is just that if, if Kelsey gets in the lane and draws... McCowan's defender well then McCowan's going to be set up to to put up put a lot of those back getting on the offensive glass and Candace Dupree for the fever she went 9 to 17 from the field she gave the dream some trouble as they kind of played out the decision of are we going to switch or are we going to recover are we going to stunt somebody to to take away that pick and pop jumper and it's even tougher for teams to make those decisions when McCowan is hanging out under the rim because it's not, you know, it's not Natalie Achanwa at 17 feet, although she's obviously become, you know, much better at, at those shots, but it's not, you can recover to a shooter, you know, if you just, if you leave that window, you know, McCowan's getting a layup, and and because she's so tall, you know, you really have to commit, you have to really commit and be present on McCowan so that she can't just fire a laser to, to McCowan right under the rim. And, and that's that's kind of the key with Indiana. We still, you know, obviously like that game winner was like the first touch point in New York when Dupree drove in and fed McCowan, who had who had poor Bria Hartley on that switch. But seeing that flourish, the that passing connection with Dupree, you know, catching on a pick and pop or just a straight post up, blown by her defender, like that's the or those snug pick and rolls, which which we saw a little bit in the first half. That's the that's the passing connection that you really want to see flourish because hopefully Dupree can tap more into her game to become more of a playmaker to help set up McCowan. Maite Cazorla shot two of four in her 12-ish minutes out there, two for three from three. And just to have somebody that's a ball mover, can run some pick and roll, probably not going to be a very dangerous option from two-point range and in the paint, but somebody that knows how to probe the defense nonetheless and will make the right pass to the right player when she does 
get inside the arc and just and Maite is just a knockdown shooter so she is going to make those open threes I think that's safe to say based off what she did at Oregon and that that means a ton for Atlanta just having that that package of somebody that can that can keep the offense moving and be a knockdown shooter getting that player on the floor and I I, I think in this stretch without Bentley I think I think they should kind of try to push the limit of how much they can get Renee Montgomery and Maite on the floor together to just have two knockdown shooters that teams really have to worry about with with some of their limitations inside. That'd be huge for them. And again, Heidemann, uh, if she ends up playing very much, maybe throw her into that too if they can just get two of those players on the court at once. But to get to the end of the game, what really, what really uh, separated... Atlanta at the end, they got an offensive rebound and kicked it out to Montgomery for a three. That pushed the lead to eight for the first time, where it really kind of got was out of that you know two one two possession window. And then Tiffany Hayes got one of those patented uh, hard drives down the baseline, and she kicked it out right to Renee for another another three that pushed it to eleven. And, and those are the those are the plays that Atlanta has to have more of. You know, Hayes also, even as she struggled early scoring, she also did miss her teammates on some of those kickout passes. And Renee, especially to Renee, whether it's a direct kickout or, you know, some kind of a hockey assist, the, the Hayes drive resulting in a kickout to, to Montgomery for a three is what they really need to, to ta- take advantage of with how Hayes is able to collapse a defense. And then this, this was where you really felt like the the shoulders of this team just like started to finally relax when then after that Jessica Breland hit two pick and pop jumpers and then it was like okay like this is now we're starting to see all the all the stuff of this team kind of come together where Hayes gets in the lane draws people kicks it out to create some scoring and then when Breland hits those jumpers they just they have to have those it's just it's really a non-negotiable for them but at the end, it was it was there was a scary play inside a minute to go. The game was, I mean, the result was already determined. Uh, Hayes took a hard fall to the floor. She got fouled by McCowan, and and her head kind of hit the floor after she fell, which is always one of the scarier plays to see. She stayed in the game. She shot the free throws, so hopefully it's nothing. It was kind of signs of the same thing that kind of happened to Natasha Howard over the over the weekend playing in Connecticut. But to get to the addition of Natisha Heidemann, I will plug that I did a piece on the basketball writers, uh, talking to some coaches and executives that provided uh, some un- interesting anonymous feedback on some of the, the rookies that got cut this year with Heidemann and Megan Gustafson and a couple other people being among that list. And so that's something to check out if you're interested in that. But just, you know, replacing Bentley, Bentley's spot on the roster. You know, one, just like with, with Gustafson and maybe some other players we'll see later on, like this is more of an audition. You know, it's important to remember that, like for these players, for for their future. You know, it, it's, it's a little strange that more people aren't warming to the fact yet that like these were second round picks for a reason. And like to a degree, like that has to, like that has to be, like, that has to come into the conversation. And, you know, it, it, it does stink that there aren't more roster spots at this stage, but you know that's that's the level of player we're talking about here, and, and Heidemann is really small, and, and that's that's obviously the big concern. You know, it just not just her height, but she's just re- really really thin, really wiry, 
just it's it's gonna be it's gonna be an uphill battle for her. She is quick, and it, it'll be interesting to see how much damage she can actually do as a scorer in the lane. You know, is she just gonna have to settle for floaters essentially, or will she actually be able to maybe? And because of the quickness, maybe she can actually make some hay getting all the way in there. But obviously, with this Atlanta team with no bigs that are stretching out to the three-point line or anything like that, it will. This is one of the tougher places to try to do that, especially for the first time. Uh, you know, the, the must for Heidemann is she's going to have to make her open threes. You know, it, it's one thing to be to come in with the label of a good shooter, but it, it's easy to overlook that like some players just don't do it, and it also just it's hard to do. It's it's really hard to be a ten-minute-a-game kind of player and. You might come in and get two or three open looks, and that's it. And you have to make those shots. So, it is. It is a. It's also. You know, I, I'm, I'm acknowledging here that like it, it is a tough ask for any kind of player in that position too. And and that's one of the things with 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 my take Azorla. You know, she probably is going to make those shots, and that's you can kind of mo- probably move on from that concern with her. And she's probably going to need to play and, and take up a lot of those Bentley minutes. So we'll see how much Heidemann does play. And it's not just that Heidemann is small, but you know, for Atlanta, you're probably talking about to get her on the floor. You're talking about playing two smaller guards at once. You know, between Renee and Maite, you know, they're just they aren't as versatile defenders, and just simply not being as big. Like it just it just makes a difference out there, especially for Atlanta when you're talking about getting Nia Coffee on the floor more, or obviously Brittany Sykes, who's a big big minutes player for them, even in a reserve role. And and if if they do that, as mentioned, like the best move might be to just to just line things up to play Maite and Renee at one, together to get their shooting and playmaking on the floor. But that's a wrap for this episode. Uh, just remember to subscribe, give us a rating, write us a review. Over at High Post Hoops this week, you can read uh, part two of the the top twenty uh, went live, the top twenty players in the WNBA. And that was a collaborative effort by the High Post Hoop staff, so you can go check that out. And I, I'll plug again my own top 25, which I did on Basketball Index earlier on. So for the people that want to embrace debate, check those out. Let us know what you think and, and share your own rankings and, and maybe where you, where, uh, where you feel maybe we're sleeping on somebody or overrating somebody. And uh, in the next episode, look forward to something on the Mystics at the Aces in Vegas so I'll be at that one really looking forward to that game and seeing how that plays out especially with Liz Cambage having played 30 plus minutes in Minnesota if she does that again obviously we're closer to seeing this Vegas team at full strength which makes it easier to then actually begin talking about you know what the final version of this team can be and obviously Washington no Emisman yet but they continue to roll and they've got in my opinion the best player in the world so that'll be that'll be a fun one looking forward to to having somebody on to break that one down. But until next time, follow us at LockedOnWBB. And thanks again for listening. We'll catch you next time.